we be standing at a better place to speak about Jerusalem here during Shavuot, or as many people would call it, Pentecost. To my back, you will see Mount Moriah, the Temple Mount area. So this is the beautiful place to think because the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're talking about when we look at Shavuot, we're looking at the work of the Holy Spirit in the land. But that work begins here at the Temple Mount. 4,000 years ago, God spoke to Abraham, and he said to Abraham, from a place that's probably very close to where I'm standing now, he pointed across the Gehenna Valley, which is just below us, and he said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, and you're to offer him to me. Abraham did that. Then Another situation happened 3,000 years ago when David stood maybe fairly close to where we are now, and God showed him that the solution to a problem was to go to that same area, Mount Moriah. And there David would make a sacrifice When he made that sacrifice, he was to pray a prayer. But then God said to him, I want you to buy the land. I want you to buy the sacrifice, and I want you to pray. David did that. See, there was a blight in the land. At that point, 70,000 men had died throughout all of Israel. That same blight, that same judgment was about to strike Jerusalem. And God said, before that happens, David, I want you to do this. Make a sacrifice and buy the land. So David bought the land from Moroni, and he paid 50 shekels of silver for the land. So this land was bought and paid for. And then he made this prayer And he prayed that God would forgive the land, forgive the people, and bless the land. When he did that, it moved God. When I look at the book of 2 Samuel, the very last chapter, chapter 24 and verse 25, the Bible says, David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Thus the Lord was moved. Listen to this. Thus the Lord was moved by prayer for the land, and the plague was held back from Israel. That statement got into my spirit. When I began to think about how that God was touched by this man praying for the land. See, we we don't think about praying for the land. We think about praying for people. We think about praying over sin. But David carried it a step further. He prayed for the land, and the Bible says that moved God. You know why that moved God? Because God calls this land his. This land is called Beulah, which means married. He's married to the people. He's married to the land. And both of these instances that solidified God's place on the land, both of those took place in this area 
that we're coming to you from today here in Jerusalem. Now, our thought for Shavuot is the land, is setting our face toward Jerusalem. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 8, when Solomon dedicated the temple, Solomon made a very special prayer. And he said this at the end of it. He said, and from here on, may your people, Israel, pray facing this house. He said that in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 29 and 30. He also said something in that same chapter a few verses later in verses 40 and 42. He said, and the foreigner, the foreigner who comes here, that he shall be blessed when he faces the house. Well, I want to tell you, that struck a chord with me that God would bless the Jewish people, and not only that, but Gentiles. That would show a value and an appreciation over this site that belongs to God. Sometimes I have a problem because people will spiritualize things. They will say, well, that church chandelier is holy. And I would say, no, that chandelier is not holy. They would say, that building is holy. I would say, no, not that building is not holy. The only thing holy is God. But here we have a principle that's very, very strong. And that principle is God says, if you face that direction, not because there's anything special about that particular stone or that particular building, but there's something special in following the mandate of God. We have been given the mandate to bless Israel. And more precisely, we've been given the mandate to bless Jerusalem. And I want to do that. And that's what this Shavuot conference is all about, that we teach you how to set your face toward Jerusalem, to appreciate all that was done in this very place. Now, when we think about Shavuot and how Pentecost ties in with Jerusalem, let's go to the book of Ezekiel. Now, if you, if you were to be in a Jewish synagogue or in a Jewish home during Shavuot, during those three days, the thing you would do is there would be three places you would read the Bible. The night before Shavuot, you would read the entire book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth describes uh, gleaning around the edges. It describes the bringing in of a people that had not been the people. And I praise God for the Holy Spirit because that's where I find my entrance into the kingdom of God is by lining up, being grafted in, being brought in to my Jewish brothers and sisters. So they would read the book of Ruth. And that would be the Jewish way of saying, yes, yes, we will embrace those that are on the edges we will embrace those that come to us and say, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Then they also read from the Torah. And, and that is a time for their reading. But here's what I want to show you. They read from what we call the Haftorah, which is the prophets. 
And the prophetical reading they will do every time includes Ezekiel chapter 1. If you go to Ezekiel chapter 1, it's almost like reading Acts chapter 2. For in Ezekiel chapter 1, God speaks to Ezekiel and he shows him a great vision. In that vision, he shows him a windstorm. He shows him lightning that comes down in a place. He shows him many faces that will give praises to God that normally had not been seen before. You see that in Ezekiel chapter 1. What is Ezekiel seeing? Ezekiel is seeing a picture of Pentecost, a time that the fulfillment of the Word of God would begin. For see, even Joel said that in the last days, your sons, your daughters would prophesy. And upon my, upon all flesh will I pour out of my spirit. Ezekiel saw that. Joel saw that. And then in Acts, it actually takes place. Notice how that Ezekiel, as he gets this vision, the timing of it. Now, Israel had gone into Babylonian captivity in in 700 B.C. In 586, then Judah and Jerusalem was also taken. And it was a harsh time. About five years after Jerusalem was taken into captivity is when God showed Ezekiel this vision. And that's so important because, you know, when you have been somewhere and in a trial for one day, you're all right. Six months, it's harder. One year, it's tough. When you reach that five-year mark, if you're not careful, your whole mindset has changed. If you're not careful, you start to think like a person that's in, that's a slave, that's in bondage. I don't know, maybe, maybe Ezekiel had started to feel that way. But when he did at the five-year mark of captivity, God showed him this great vision. And he said, you are going to see another time when I will restore my people in their land. And when that starts to take place, it will come through a supernatural work. I'm telling you, that's just like God. When you're at your lowest ebb, when you find yourself in captivity, sometimes I wished it were not this way, but the fact is that many times it is that it is at that time that the Holy Spirit will speak to us in the night at our hard time and say, I want to show you what's going to happen here. And it wasn't to happen until uh, 500 years later. But God says, this is what's going to happen. Don't lose heart. I will say to you globally, you're going through some things right now, and you wonder, will they change? You want them to change for two reasons. Of course you want them to change immediately if possible. But you can handle it if you know that sooner or later it will change. That sooner or later your children will not find themselves in the same bondage that you have felt for some time. And that's what God is saying to Ezekiel. He's saying, Ezekiel, listen, don't lose heart. I know you're in a land that you don't want to be in, but I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore the land that's got my name written upon it. 
And there will come a time when, when my people will be back in their land. You know, I can live with that. I can put up with a lot as long as I know there's hope for the next generation. And that's what God's saying to you today during this time of Pentecost, this time of loving God during Shavuot. He's saying to us, I'm going to restore you. And that restoration is not going to be come, come because you built things with your own hands and you're successful in this or in that. But it's going to come because the Spirit is going to move in the land. That the Spirit's going to touch you and make a difference. So I praise God for that. Remember this. If you're like me and you struggle sometimes with remembering where Scriptures are, remember that Ezekiel 1 goes along with Acts 1. Ezekiel 1, God tells Ezekiel in verse 4 even, 1 and 4 of Ezekiel, he says, my power is going to come in such a strong way that it's going to be like a sandstorm. It's going to be like lightning that'll flash. And you will see my face when that happens. Israel began to uh, understand that terminology because they were in Babylon. And in Babylon, they were on the eastern side of the Arabian Desert. Israel sees very often sandstorms that come. Just the other day, we were in a sandstorm here in Jerusalem, and you could hardly see the tops of buildings because the sand was so thick. They're, they're accustomed to that. But God spoke to an issue they understood, a sandstorm. He says there's uh, some versions call it a, a windstorm, a whirlwind. But he's talking about that that comes. But he says this sandstorm will be different than you usually see, Israel. This one will come from the north. When you go then to Acts chapter 1, Jesus had said to his disciples, he had talked to them much about the kingdom. And in Acts chapter 1, they began to say, well, now is now the time you're going to set up your kingdom? You died in the cross. You've raised from the dead. Are we going to now take charge of this whole deal? Jesus said, you don't need to understand who's taking charge. You don't need to be worried about the times or the seasons. But I want you to appreciate Jerusalem because my Holy Spirit will come there. If you go to Jerusalem and you tarry, you will see the power of God. Now, I want to tell you, he could have said, go to Saudi Arabia, to Mecca. He could have said, go to Rome or to the U.S., but he said, go to Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Because Jerusalem is God's place. I'm telling you, when I think about this whole world, the millions and billions of acres and miles of landmass, it's a huge thing. But God picked out one little spot and he wrote his name on the hills right where I'm standing today. He wrote his name. Nowhere else in the world has God written his name. But he says, you go to where I've written my name. You be obedient to me. As with David, you pray for the land. And we do that on a regular basis. 
Oh, I'm telling you, in, in Jerusalem, there is a lot of struggles that go on on a regular basis. Zechariah even wrote about Jerusalem that it would become, it would become a, a cup of trembling. It would become a stone of offense. To the world, it may, and that is happening even today. Much of the world comes against Israel and Jerusalem. But to those that love God, it's not. We see Jerusalem as a blessed place. And this is the holy city of God. I don't get angry with anyone that says, I want to go to the Holy Land. Because there is a holiness about this land. Sometimes I, I get on the bus and sometimes there might be a hundred people on these buses here in Jerusalem. And they're packed in. And you will invariably, you will always see somebody that will have the Torah in their hand and they're reading it and they're rocking back and forth. In the beginning, when I first moved to Israel, I didn't like that so much. I said, can't they be polite? Can't they read the scripture somewhere else? Why do they have to stand in the aisle of this overcrowded bus and read like that? Until the Lord began to see me, show me that Jerusalem is different than anywhere else in the world. That the Word of God is more important here. The Torah is more important here than your own personal comforts, your own personal ambition. The Torah is that important that people will walk around and they are reading the Torah. In the U.S., people walk around with their iPhones always in their hand. They don't want to miss anything that's social. But here in Jerusalem, so many people, whether they agree with everything we teach or not, is not important. But what they do agree with is the Torah. And that takes place here. And Jesus said, don't worry about other things. But you go to Jerusalem and you tarry until you receive the power that's from on high. I'm just telling you, if you have never felt the power of the Holy Spirit, you need to experience Him on this Shavuot. You just need to say, Father, I don't care who controls this kingdom or that kingdom, this church or that church, but I'm going to go and I'm going to tarry at the place you've allowed. If you're here in Jerusalem or can come to Jerusalem, you should do that. And you should pray for the land. And the Holy Spirit will bless you. But I want to tell you, Jesus said that the time will come where you not, will not say to this mountain nor to that mountain, but the Holy Spirit will come in you and will reveal all things to you. Yes, we, we, we're not crazy. We love Jerusalem very much, but we know Jerusalem alone will not save us. And so we realize the Spirit of God is in us, that we now are the temple of God. But that does not negate the love God has for Jerusalem, the love He has for His Torah and for all of Israel. So on this Shavuot, I want to encourage you to find God in the best way that you can. Now, the word Jerusalem, if you look in your study Bibles, you're going to find different meanings. But the best that I can find is that Jerusalem speaks of, it speaks of completeness. The word itself, Yerushalayim, really means seeing completeness. And so if you see 
the completeness of God in Jerusalem, most people say it means peace. It does mean peace, but it means more than just peace. Peace is only part of it. He said that we should have completeness. See, Jesus stood not far from here on the mount, and he prayed just before he was crucified. And he cried out over Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you under myself as a mother hen would her chicks, but you would not. In other words, he said to the city of completeness that should have one, should have a wonderful amounts of peace. He said, I came to bring you all of this, but so many of you did not accept it. But there's going to come a time. And Paul said this, all Israel will be saved. In other words, the completeness that had not yet been fulfilled to make Jerusalem what it should be is becoming fulfilled. And God is making it a complete place. And he concluded there in that 23rd chapter of Matthew. And he said, he said, but I say unto you, you will not see me again until you're willing to say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. So it's not going to be long before we, the Messiah comes back. And when he comes back, he will complete works already began in Israel. The Jewish people many times don't see Yeshua as fulfilling that. But I'm telling you, one of the prophets, Zechariah, recorded saying that we will accept him of whom we hurt. The time will come when they will accept a Messiah. I believe that Messiah to be Yeshua. But more important is God will show himself. Now, when you think about loving Israel, I want to tell you that it's important that you understand there's also blessings with loving Jerusalem and loving Israel. I did a study one time, and the study that began with Gordon Lindsay. Gordon Lindsay was talking about the time in America when we saw the evidence of God through a period of time that he referred to as the healing revival. During the healing revival, Lindsay said it lasted 10 years, from 1948 to 1957. 10 years of what was referred to in America as the healing revival. When I was born, my parents used to talk about the great healing revival. People like Jack Coe, William Brannan, A.A. Allen, Oral Roberts, Catherine Kuhlman, they put up tents because people couldn't get in churches. And it, it was very visible. People got out of wheelchairs, blinded eyes opened, tumors fell off of people's faces. It was so miraculous you could not deny it. It wasn't made up miracles. During those 10 years, I said, what, what, what happened? What was different about those 10 years? 1948 to 1957. In 1948, Harry S. Truman was the first leader of the known world to recognize Israel and recognize Jerusalem. 
But then what slowed the great move of God down? Moved to 1957. In 1957, President Eisenhower began to pull back on the blessings that America had been doing for Israel to help this baby country get going. And Eisenhower was the first to say, Israel should not have the Gaza Strip. Israel should not have the Sinai Peninsula. And, and immediately we began to see this great revival. The greatest, one of the greatest revivals America has ever seen. We saw it subside. We saw ourselves moving back into a mundane, a stereotype. We reverted to type when we stopped blessing Israel. And since then, every time you see the leadership of America blessing Israel at Jerusalem, then you see blessings come to America. I don't want to get political on you, but it was not long ago we had a president that loved Jerusalem and loved Israel so much. He said, we're going to put our embassy in Jerusalem. Some people did not like it, but it was during those times that the best economy America had seen in over a hundred years started taking place. Our uh, inflation was at check. Our deficit was starting to come back. It was during that time we blessed Jerusalem and God blessed us. Can you do that? Can you bless Jerusalem? Will you not listen to the left-wing uh, naysayers that say that it's not important to bless Jerusalem? Will you start saying, this is God's place this is God's people. Don't listen to negativity. And then the Holy Spirit will come into you. And the Holy Spirit, the same way in the book of Acts, it was fulfilled what Ezekiel and Joel had said, the same way those promises you've been walking in, they will come to pass if you will start loving and praying for Jerusalem. So in this Shavuot, I pray for you. I ask God to bless you with many things. I ask God to give you the desires of your heart, that your family will walk in the ways of God, that in all that you do, you'll live long on earth, that you'll walk in health. And when it's done, it will be said that God took note of you loving and blessing Israel. Mm -hmm. 